Welcome to the Socket Podcast. Socket helps you plug into you and unplug from things that no longer serve you. Find your voice and self-esteem while learning to say no and set boundaries when needed. Your host, Kathy Suber, is an entrepreneur and mom of two with a life lens of happiness. If living a life of authenticity, kindness, and confidence is something you are looking for, get ready to plug in. We are glad that you are here. everyone and welcome to the Socket Podcast. Today I'm fortunate enough to have two incredible women, one I have known for a decade and one I have known for about 10 minutes, but we already go way back, so we're good. Um, this is Susan Barnes and Dr. Ali Sipra. They are the co-founders of GRIT, which is a new program. Um, I'd like you both to take just a moment to introduce yourself and give us a little background about who you are and where you're at. Susan? Can you yes. share a little bit more about yourself? I sure will. And thanks for having us, Kathy. Of course. Um, I had spent 22 years working for a nonprofit um, company out of Michigan that um, worked with safety and children and crime prevention programs. Um, we were a nonprofit. Actually, we put the pictures of the missing children on milk cartons many, many, oh, many wow. years ago. And I spent 22 years there. And what I had found is that a lot of the materials and a lot of information that we had was already dated. That in order to keep up with current events, you had to constantly be changing your, your materials and your information that you're getting out to the classroom. So I, uh, along with another woman, developed an, a program that worked with kids, teaching them skills to handle bullying situations and building their resilience. And um, that was a great program. And then COVID hit. And yeah. We had been doing that. We had been researching. Our, our um, research was published. And we were in the schools in Wisconsin. And then uh, COVID hit. So like everybody else, I, I was sitting back thinking, okay, now what? We had been shut down. So that program decided to to close and, and move on with our lives. And, and then um, after much thought, I thought, wow, the, the need is great right now for kids and, yeah. and mental health and giving them skills to cope with everything that's coming at them today, current events and the pandemic. So crazy as it sounds, I am now partnered with um, Dr. Sipra and we are in uh, right now in the process of developing a uh, social emotional learning curriculum for kids to help them equip them with those skills. That's great. That's great. Well, and that's how we connected those 10 years ago through the moms group that I run. And uh, we had you out to our networking luncheons. We did some events together. I think we hosted yes. something at the library. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was just wonderful. And the, the information was um, incredible. And I, I told my husband this morning, I was like, I will let you know, I can't think of anyone in my mind, uh, two, two women um, with, with your partner that worked harder and had more passion about something that they were doing. And uh, I'm, I'm really sorry that, you know, it, it's very unfortunate that, that COVID shut you down. I, I know how passionate you were for it. Um, you know what? Sometimes things end. And that's part of building resistance or I'm sorry, resilience. Um, I couldn't agree more. And I got to be honest with you. Um, I feel like I learned so much and I know so much now that even entering this new program and this new um, curriculum, helping these kids, I feel like 
I'm better equipped than I was back then. So you always have to look at the bright side of things because there always is one if we look hard enough. Absolutely. Well, I know when we were talking before the show um, that you've been working with Dr. Sipra for about four years. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Dr. Sipra, can you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, And thank you for having us on as well. Uh, My name is um, Dr. Ali Supra. I'm an associate professor at Governor State University in the psychology department. My degree is in developmental psychology, human development, and brain sciences. So I do a lot of, of research, and I don't have a neurology lab. I do social developmental research at Governor State. And that's initially how I met up with Susan and her former partner. I started to do, looking at the research they had gathered and analyzing it. Uh, so that we could get some information out to the public. So I analyzed the results and we published those. And then I started working with them on their curriculum, trying to make adjustments that I thought were necessary for developmental milestones for kids and other things that maybe weren't addressed in the original curriculum. And we had gotten a lot of momentum going prior to COVID, and as difficult as it, as it is to see something end, I really feel like this program meets the needs of kids today even better. Um, we're focusing on some developmental tasks that we simply didn't work with before in the previous curriculum. So yeah. we're, we're really focused on not just socio-emotional education, that's the main thing, but also how is it that children, and in this case, we're starting with adolescents, middle schoolers, how do they navigate their world? How do they become successful? How do they become happy? And how are they resilient when things don't go their way? Well, and it's interesting that you, Susan, you brought up that the information you had been using way back when was outdated and that we needed to, you needed to keep with the current time so that the information that was being shared, people weren't looking at like, this is really outdated, but as life has gone on, the speed of change has, I don't even know how to quantify that, right? It's like every two years, you almost have to, you almost have to redo it with difference in social media. And and I think back to, I'm 48. When I was in school, I went home and other than a landline, there was no communication, right? I might, I might get on the phone and talk to my best friend for an hour, but there was, there was no pictures of four of the girls from my class getting, going out for coffee afterwards and me being upset. Like, oh my gosh, I thought I was friends with them, right? There, there was none of that out there. Well, that was way back when, but now it's like, man, now you got the tick. I call it the TikTok, the TikTok, and the, <laughs> you know, and the Snapchat and the private messages and the, I mean, goodness, for parents to navigate all of this, it's, um, it's really difficult to, for them to be, um, helpful for their children as they go through these tumultuous years. I mean, my middle school and high school, you couldn't pay me any amount of money to go back to that and feel what I felt. Now, maybe if I went back as 48 year old Kathy, I'd probably navigate it better, but um, (laughs) it is truly interesting how fast things change. Um, And I, uh, you know, kudos to you both for keeping the programming that you're doing relevant and the messaging relevant, because if it's not, and it is too outdated, then it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to connect with the people you're trying to connect with. Yeah. 
Right. And even if the other program had continued, that would have needed major adjustments because who saw this coming? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not even talking just about isolation and lockdown, but now you're talking about cancel culture, where if you don't agree with somebody, you know, we're going to destroy you or we're going to just cancel you out. So we get a lot, and I'm sure we're going to get into that, but a big concern of mine has been, and that's where the identity piece comes into this is these kids. I even know as an adult, uh, these kids, if, if you disagree with somebody or you don't go along, then you're shunned automatically. And, and the problem with that is where did we get to here? What's wrong with, okay, this is your opinion. This is my opinion. Well, let's weigh it carefully but we could still be friends, right? That just isn't the way anymore. And and I think this is vital for kids to understand your own sense of values, your opinions matter, and you can stand by that respectfully. Yeah. You know, so I I think it's hard running the branch. Um, Our large mom forum group has 27,000 members on it. And one of the struggles that I used to have was that people, it was open posting. So anyone could post whatever they wanted at any time of day. Um, and that's that great. Turned, of you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that turned into putting out a lot of fires mm-hmm. and I <laughs> talk about, you know, being eaten alive. Sometimes I was afraid to put it on, put the group on post approval, which means we have to approve every post because I was afraid of, of feedback that I would get that people weren't happy with that. And looking back now, I should have just done it a long time ago, but when COVID came, people were posting such inappropriate things that I did not want to be share, you know, sharing that it gave, that gave me the strength to just say, you know what, we're going to put it on post approval. And within three days, I knew we were never going back. But it, it's interesting to see if someone shares something a little different. And, you know, there's 14 different topics that people can feel the opposite about right now. Um, and so we, we don't need to battle those 14 different topics. But it is amazing that if someone just shares a little different perspective, how quickly they're jumped on. Um, and you, you get a lot of keyboard warriors, right, where some, something that no one would say to another human being in person is happening through a computer, which is a part of, I'm sure, the programming that that you're dealing with, right? That that building those those things like resilience, coping mechanisms, dealing with identity, which I believe are your top three things that you're focusing on with grit. Um, I can't imagine the the computer aspect and how much that plays into that. Yes. So we know that social media is a primary concern for parents because of its extended use with kids. And we are also aware of all of the things that are happening over social media. Um, as, As Susan was talking about cancel culture, I think it's important that we build into the curriculum the idea that yes, people can have differing opinions, but we're also, we also have a social justice component where we talk about, you know, people are valid as they are. Um, You can have a different opinion than I have, and we don't have to tear each other apart, Mm -hmm. right? And part of the identity piece is who is it that you want to be? Figuring out what your principles are and how you demonstrate those principles through your habits. And then again, how you are, this is one of the components that identity is 
developed through habits and habits reinforce identity. So what you do is who you are and who you are is what you do. And so having strong beliefs is really important, but understanding some critical thinking processes behind that and also conflict resolution, these coping mechanisms, critical thinking, this is all about conflict resolution in in a teen's world or an adolescent's world, because it's much different than when any of us were kids. We didn't have, we didn't have social media then. And social media brings out this entirely new avenue where, like you said, keyboard warriors, you can say and do all sorts of things behind the protection of either anonymity or just not having to face consequences. And we want to bring back the idea of thinking through things prior to acting, taking responsibility for those choices mm-hmm. and still having and building a community of people who can work together even when they disagree. Yeah, yep. I think this uh, program could be for adults as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah <laughs> down the road. Kids, kids model behavior, right? Yeah. I mean, Allie and I were talking the other day about how Today, if you notice, and I and I don't mean to sound so negative, but I think we, we have to be honest in our conversation. What's going on? The go-to today emotion is to be anger. It's our first go-to, whether you're driving, whether you're on the keyboard, like you said, it's like everybody's amped up and there's so much of that right now. So if we can de-escalate, you know, mm-hmm. come down. Yeah. You know, and that's all part of, of what we're trying to do is and, and to reach these kids because adults are modeling some behaviors for these children and it's concerning. Yeah, no, I agree. You know? I think collectively there's um, a level of discomfort right now. I know I feel it. Um, and, you know, COVID's a part of it. Um uh, just everything that's been going on in the last couple of years, I just don't feel 100% settled. And I also don't know, mm-hmm. when am I going to feel settled? Mm-hmm. Right? So that provides this just feeling of, I call it discomfort. And human beings living in a state of discomfort, um, some people have the tools to navigate that better than others. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I apologize. No, go ahead. I was going to say that feeling of discomfort is, is something that obviously makes us um, anxious and it makes us defensive. But if we can reevaluate that feeling of discomfort as a way to grow, because that's what learning is. In order to learn, you have to, you have to have something that comes against what you think you know, and then you have to change your thinking or your behavior. And that's how we, we move on. So sort of embracing the discomfort for the possibility of growth, Mm -hmm. I think is, is one way that we can look at this. Um, I don't think anybody would want COVID to happen again, especially since we're not out of it um, or any of these other hardships. And, you know, a lot of people live by the um, axiom that everything happens for a reason and that works for them. That doesn't necessarily work for me. What I like to do is try to find a reason in whatever happens. And I think that building that resilience, resilience is a skill. 
it's not something that you have or you don't have. It's something that you learn and it's something that you practice and you continue to practice throughout your lifetime. And if we can start teaching those resilient skills to children, they're going to be in a much better place when they get into quote unquote, the real world, because honestly, what they deal with in adolescence is quite a bit heavier than, than what previous generations have had to deal with, especially in interpersonal relationships. So building these resilient skills is important for children. And as you mentioned, for adults too. So (laughs) kids model their parents, maybe the parents will start to model the kids. Who knows? Right. Like, hey, you seem like you've got this figured out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know in, in the research I've done, um, I love the messaging of um, parents allowing their kids to fail and allowing kids to struggle. And um, I, I just had something that happened last night with my younger son. Um, and said the details don't even matter. But um he said something that was really not nice and I heard it and he didn't know I heard it. And then I, I called him out on it and we had a conversation about it and he felt terrible and he said it in a weird moment. And I know he didn't exactly mean it, but it came out of his mouth and oh my goodness, did it take every little bit of my mama willpower to not, he went downstairs in the basement and he said, I just feel really bad. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean it. I don't know why I said it. And he was really hard on himself about what he had said. So he's like, I'm just going to go down the stairs in the basement for a little bit and just think. And he's good at kind of removing himself if, if he has an issue. And every part of me wanted to go down and make it better for him. Every part of me wanted to be like, you know what? It's okay. Don't worry about it. No, you know what? Sit on it. Think about it. Feel it. Sit with the discomfort. Sit with the discomfort, right? Um And this morning he, you know, got up and went to school before I woke up and, you know, I still have a little discomfort over it. And part of me wants to reach out and be like, hi, how are you doing? No, I need to let him, he's he's a senior. I need to let him process that emotion, feel, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, So it's interesting. Um, I see a lot of parents that, you know, a child gets a B and they're a straight A student and the parent is going to the teacher. I've, I've talked to college professors where the parents are still calling the college professors. I don't know if you see that at all, Dr. Sipra. <laughs> I do see that. And I just say, I'm sorry, FERPA. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, importantly in your story that you just explained about your son is what you're teaching him for his future relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, that is just vital is that we're teaching them and you're letting him feel that he's going to think about that now, next time when he's with his girlfriend or wife to be, that's important, important lesson. Cause I I truly feel that that's all starts at home, you know, and and they know what the boundaries and they understand and the rescuing we all know hasn't worked. Right. I, I really think the red I, and this quick story and it sounds harsh, but my dad got sick when we were very, very young um, in high school early. Well, just entering high school with leukemia. Mm. So he knew he wasn't going to be around long and he would force us to do things without his help. And we just thought that was rule. And I remember <laughs> saying to him, I got my blue slip. Imagine that, how excited you are. And I asked him to take me to get my driver's license. And he said, no, find a way. 
Mm. Now I was devastated and I was like, he's the worst dad in the whole world. Well, anyhow, <laughs> I, I found a way. My neighbor who was going with her daughter took me and I got my driver's license. I never forgot that because what that, the sense of accomplishment I had coming back with that driver's license. And I knew what he was doing because he wasn't along around much longer. He taught us that we were capable. We can do things if we try. And we, we were independent. Yeah. And that sense, I always, even with whatever's going on in the world, I know I can handle it. And that's priceless. That's, that's, that's awesome. what we're talking about. Knowing I can handle that in whatever situation, you know? So that's, that's vital with our youth today is to teach them more of those skills. Yeah. I know for my kids, I, I, you know, there's one part of it is I'm fortunate. My kids are, they, they fit into the box that does well in school. They don't have ADHD. They can sit for periods of time. They are social. They, you know, they certainly, you know, they're not perfect by any means, but I just say that as a caveat, because I know some people have struggles that I don't deal with. But because of where they're at, we've handed them out. My ex-husband and I have handed over them responsibilities before where I see a lot of their peers having those responsibilities, you know, working a job to make money to take your girlfriend to to the movies or to pay for your gas or, you know, they both pay for a, a nice chunk of their car and their car insurance. We help a little bit, but but so they kind of know that that's how you do life. You, you can do it for yourself. Um, and sometimes I felt a little guilty because I see other people kind of just handing their kids stuff, but I still think like, I want my kids to have a great work ethic and, and, um, and manage, you know, Christopher's going to chiropractic school and he's now managing, making sure that he gets all of his credits to be able to transfer and move to Davenport, Iowa to go to Palmer chiropractic. Again, my mama heart wants to be like, did you call Emily? Are you sure you got enough classes? Like, you know what? It's his life. And if he doesn't get enough classes, it's going to push him back a few months. Okay. Well, he should feel that if he doesn't do what he needs to do. I don't know. That's just my, my, my take on, on parenting, but what, what do you see when you, when you have children that you feel could really use the, a program or something like you're doing with grit? Where are you finding the biggest issue? I know that's a super big question, <laughs> but Dr. Surprise, there are there a couple of kind of key elements that that you find that are common denominators? Yes, and I think we've we've kind of hit on them in both of your stories here, both yours and Susan's stories. The idea that when someone does something wrong or they make a mistake that they need to sit with that and figure out, is this who I want to be? Mm -hmm. So that's the identity piece. And that's one of the things that our program really focuses on that others do not. And I think it's really important figuring out who it is you want to be and how you get to be that person. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the resiliency and becoming autonomous, you know, things are going to happen you're going to fail sometimes. You're going to get a B plus. And no, mommy and daddy shouldn't come talking to your teacher to try to get you an A. You shouldn't even come talking to your teacher to try to get you an A. You should try to figure out why you earned a B, not why they gave you a B. That's a teacher <laughs> um, And if an A is really important to you, how do you change your behavior or your habits or what you're doing to try to get there next time? So 
what I see a lot of, um, I would like to say it's just in younger kids, but it's not. I see it in the in the college population. People who have always gotten straight A's, mm-hmm. they take a class from me, they don't do well, and they can't understand it, and they just fall apart. They do not know how to come back from a failure or from an obstacle. The idea that they need to, that life is hard. right? Life isn't going to give you everything because your caretakers, your parents aren't always going to fix it. They're not always going to make it better for you. Um, And that's really difficult. I'm seeing a lot of that in first year and second year students at the university level. So I know it's starting much earlier and we have to teach kids that it's okay to fail. That's how we learn. That's how we change. That's how we grow. It's not okay to fail because you didn't try. It's okay to fail because you were wrong or because what you tried didn't work. And then you try again and you start from another link on the ladder. You're not starting from the bottom because you already know one thing that didn't work. So now that's one more piece of knowledge you have. And just teaching kids that that failure is not something to be avoided at all costs, that what we ought to do is look at failure and see what we can learn from it to be better and to do better. That is one of the key things that that I'm seeing in both, um, I have an 11 year old daughter. um, So I see that in middle school students. Mm -hmm. And then I see that in in my college students that they don't have the resiliency and then also those coping mechanisms. So the resiliency is bouncing back afterwards, right? But the coping mechanisms for, okay, but how do I handle it right now? Mm -hmm. How do I handle it when it all feels like it's too much? So we focus a lot on emotion-centered coping and problem-centered coping in our curriculum. And you'd be surprised how many people are not aware of these different constructs. Um, I don't want to keep talking if you want me to. No, I actually (laughs) want you to go deeper into it. Cause I don't, okay. I don't, you're saying words and I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds really good, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Can you give an example of two of each of those? Okay. So, um, briefly the, the idea of problem centered coping is there is an issue, a problem, something you want to change and it can be changed. So what you have to do is make a plan or really a plan A through Z for (laughs) how to take those steps to change the outcome or the problem or the situation, right? Not everything can be changed. If you're a child and your parents are going through a divorce, you can't change that. You can't make the divorce go away, right? So for situations like that, we go to emotion-centered coping, okay? I can't change the thing, the problem, How do I change how I respond to it? Mm. How do I change how I look at it? How do I change my emotions attached to it? And that generally starts with perspective taking, which is another one of our um, components. We have to look at things from different directions. We have to think about, even though it hurts right now, is this something that can help me later? Is this something where I might grow? So if I, you know, there are lots of things that happen. Maybe maybe a couple of girls get in a fight. Best friends get in a fight. You know, you can't make the other person be your friend again, right? You could try problem-centered coping with the problem is we're not friends. 
what can I do to try to change that? But in that case, you would need to approach both things. You would also need to think about, okay, well, what are the emotions I'm feeling when this person comes back and talks to me and I'm just angry and I'm mad and I just want to yell at them? How can I change my emotional response to them? And what most people do is they have a reaction rather than a response. Mm. A reaction is kind of that gut, like, yep, that's it. And a response is taking a step back Mm -hmm. and thinking about things in a larger context, which is really difficult for everyone to do, but it's especially difficult for adolescents. So it requires a lot of, a lot of um, practice. I, when I teach these types of things to teachers, I liken it to the serenity prayer, right? Change the things you can, accept the things you can't and know the difference, but we're doing it in a kind of research-based way, if that (laughs) makes sense. And and it's not just, I can change it or I can accept it. It's how, how do I change it? How do I accept it? And these emotional reactions start with cognitions. You have to change what you tell yourself. You have to change how you think, and eventually you'll change how you feel. And that is no small task. No. It's really not. And then you have the beast, I call it, of social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're up against an animal here. And a perfect example of that is that poor young girl, Gabby, that was uh, murdered with when she was out with her boyfriend. And what I want to say is social media, every post um, that they had posted looked positive and they were in love and, mm. you know, everything looked great because we all put our best moments on right. online. Right? The highlight reel. Exactly. And look at the truth of what's coming out of this. Now, there was trouble in the really I'm not by at all, you know, accusing the man, we don't know yet what happened. But what I'm saying is you knew that there was problems in the relationship, you would have never known that by the posts. Now imagine these, I mean, I'm in my 50s, you're in your 40s, you're in your 30s. So we've got every decade represented here. (laughs) And we know ourselves looking online, how you feel certain things you see posting like, oh, right. you know, and you got to step back. Now, imagine kids today. Can you imagine? No. They haven't lived long enough to know that they're just putting out their best. You know, you and I can step back from it and say, you know what? Wait a minute. I know that, you know, where this is coming from. I can identify whatever and scroll past. Today, they are, they are bombarded with these false images of what reality really is. So in their mind, we've we've created this life that should be that. Right, that isn't even possible. It's not possible. It's It's not not even attainable. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I, I, this was years ago. I joined Facebook in 2009. Um, It's actually when April Moms Network started. Um, But anyway, I remember starting to share some of the things I had been through. I'd I'd been through a bankruptcy and a divorce and I lost my home in 2008. It was a super awesome year, as you can imagine. Um, And I remember making- You're obviously resilient. (laughs) Hey, you know, that's a lot of therapy. That's exactly where that came from. (laughs) But I remember I made a post when I bought the home I'm in now, which was almost eight years ago. And I shared that I had been through this And I shared that, you know, I really kind of climbed my way out of a financial hole where I had a hundred dollars to my name um, and, and built myself back up and, and kind of started from the ground up. 
And I had a friend, a good friend of mine reach out and say, you know, you shouldn't share such personal things on social media. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Someone's got to raise their freaking hand. Someone's got to say something that's not perfect online. And the messages that I get when I share certain things about the body image issues I've had or the confidence issues I've had, it's all really where socket came out of um, at, at the end um, was the, the times in my life where I've struggled, how crappy that felt during that time and learning to sit with a season of fear of discomfort, like we've talked about and knowing it's not going to last forever and finding those tools, emotional tools to get myself out of that place and not just, you know, throw the covers all over my head, suck my thumb and call it a day, which I certainly wanted to do every once in a while. I still have days like that. Like last Friday, I woke up and it was crappy. I'd have been crappy all week. And I was like, I am not in a good mood. I, I think I took a nap at some point. I just, I just wasn't in a good mood. I was like, all right, well, it's going to be a down day. And so instead of putting so much pressure on myself to have this great day, I was like, you know, I'm going to rest a little bit today. I'm going to, you know, drink a lot of water, um, go for a walk and see if I can get myself out of this. And the next day I got a good night's sleep. I woke up. I was like, all right, cool. Well, that's over. <laughs> nice. That's such an important thing to do. And, and I think many of us learn those skills uh, throughout our life course, but kids don't have them yet. Um, and especially doesn't even function all the way, right? right? (laughs) The, uh, the temporal aspect of that is really important. You said it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that adolescents think they really feel like what I'm going through now, what I'm feeling now is something that number one, nobody else has ever felt, especially mom or dad. Right. Um, and that it's never going to get any better. And that's why we see these really elevated um, instances of mental health concerns, of suicidal ideation and attempts, because kids don't have those skills yet to understand that it's not permanent. This is not permanent. So we're trying to help. We're trying to teach kids, you know, you can come back from this. You just have to step out of it first. You have to step out of it and know that, yeah, some days are going to be crappy and that's okay. That doesn't mean tomorrow's going to be crappy. And guess what you did, Kathy, without <laughs> even thinking about it, you used problem-centered coping because you said, okay, <laughs> it's a crappy day. I'm going <laughs> to go for a walk. I'm going to do these things that make me feel better. Yeah. That's what we need to teach the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels, I'm sure, I mean, as we're talking about this, it's like, you just want to like plug it into everyone's brain immediately. Like, Hey, that's, that's literally how the word socket came about my, my podcast and the website's called socket plug into you. And I was sitting with my graphic designers and I, I had no idea what to call what I wanted to create. All I knew is that I felt like I had things to share and that I knew I had the tools and the emotional intelligence to understand so many things through the, again, years of therapy I've done and the things that I've been through. And I looked at the one woman and I said, sometimes I see a friend struggling and I wish I could take a part of my brain out and plug it into there so they could see how I would view that and how I would deal with it. And she literally was like, I've got the name. 
<laughs> and that's how <laughs> Socket Plug Into You came about. And it's really about helping people identify. I mean, there's so much psychology in day-to-day living. And if you don't oh, yeah. understand projections, you don't understand that most people are dealing with hurts that come out in the wrong way. And it usually has just nothing to do with you, right? If people don't understand that concept, life is so much more difficult. And I know when I, when I finally got that, it was like, so people are saying negative things to me. I'm like, man, you must really be having a bad day. Cause I just didn't do that. Or that's not my truth or that's not where I'm at. So sometimes they say something negative. I'm like, oh crap, I got to clean up my side of the beach. Cause I really did screw up this time. But many times it's just not. Yeah. 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 And, and for you to know that as an adult, how long did that take? A really kids long don't know time. That. Yeah. <laughs> a really long time. And that's, what's so hard. So I, what my point was, I got off track was it must feel overwhelming to have this passion to help kids that are struggling. I mean, not just they're having a bad day, but like you mentioned, like suicidal thoughts. I mean, that's, that's, it's so, I mean, when you really, really think about how many kids are struggling at that level, it's heartbreaking. And Mm -hmm. I just commend both of you for continuing to do the work that you're doing to help as many as you can. And you just want to like, like blanket the world with it, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, they. I was listening to an expert on the news the other day say that um, we're just now going to start to see the ramifications of current events and the lockdown. That yeah. the day school was shut down, we should have been working on, you know, what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we're just going to, so I think, this rest of this school year, we're going to start to see more and more need out there. Um, And that's, I think that's what drives us. That's what motivates us is that, you know, believe me, I thought about going and getting a nine to five. Um, I really did. And I was applying. And when Allie called and said, please don't quit, let's do what we can do. Nope. Because the need is great. And I was just like, oh, and I've always had passion for this because I've seen how it's worked in my own life. Yeah. You know, and I want, I mean, my nephews and my niece, I want them to all, and they do, thank goodness, they have great parenting, but the great parenting came from the struggles. Absolutely. And the lessons yes. learned, right? It's um exactly as a parent, parents have a lot on their plate a lot. I mean, my kids are older. So, you know, we're at the phase now where we can go away for the weekend and be like, Hey, can you feed the fish? You know, know, I look at someone, um, you know, Dr. Sipper, like yourself with an 11 year old or even a five-year-old. Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Like part of it, right. You're in the, like, I have friends of mine that have a three, five, seven, and nine-year-old that both parents work, worked outside of the home and then they're thrown in lockdown, homeschooling children, trying to work from home from the couch. Um, man, oh man, that is heavy. That's just, it's just been a heavy time. Um, so 
in in the last few minutes, um, and I'm, I'm sure you could talk for seven hours about the grit program, <laughs> but can you give me kind of the high level cliff notes, so to speak, of I'm calling it a program. I'm not sure if I'm calling it the right thing or not. I'm not sure if it's an organization or it's a program. Or um, can you just give me a little synopsis of what it will look like um, when it's rolled out or if it's already been rolled out? Yeah, go ahead, Allie. Yeah, so thank you. So we're still developing it. We have um, five or six schools in Wisconsin that we're working with. Yes. Okay. Um, Um, So it is a, it's a curriculum. It's a program. That's the right word. Okay. And what makes us different is that we're fitting into the school's needs. So schools across the country have to do socio-emotional curriculum, generally it's once a week for 10 to 30 minutes um, or 15 to 30 minutes. And most of the programs that are out there don't fit into what the schools need. So we are making our program fit into the school's schedule and we're making it interactive. So it's not just watching videos, um, but it's also adaptable. So you can do it as the teacher in the classroom You can also do it as a remote instructor should we go on lockdown again, Uh, right? And it has these interactive components. So it's really teaching about, we have 10 principles um, for the GRIT program and it will go into school systems and they have the choice. Do I want just the curriculum for socio-emotional education or do I want to add a physical component because there's this literature that I know we don't have time to talk about right now, but the connection between brain and body is really strong. And so we have, we have multiple physical uh, components that they can add on to their curriculum, which can be taught in their phys ed class, for example. One, one is martial arts focus, but it's about um, focus and, and um, kind of being mindful of where we are. One is more yoga meditation and one is like a classic sport type thing. Um, so those things are meant to work with the, the socio-emotional curriculum. And then we have this third option for community where if the school has a school resource officer, they can also be certified to help teach either component, the physical or the socio-emotional um, curriculum. And I think that's one of the things that really makes us unique. Um, The last thing that separates us from some of the other programs out there is that we want the instructors to be certified. We don't want to just hand over a book and say, here, figure it out, do it any way you think is right. Um, We know that people are experts and we are not trying to create automatons. We want people to have some freedom in it, but we want them to really understand the principles of the program. So anyone who teaches grit is going to be a certified grit instructor. Okay. Well, that all sounds wonderful. And in the middle of that, I had a flashback, Susan, of our networking (laughs) group doing push-ups or something, right? Oh, you talk about, I'm a chiropractor, right? Mind body connection is uh, my jam. Uh, It's, uh, you know, we could get into the whole, um, you know, people don't move their bodies enough. Uh, That that's a whole nother, another podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Invite us back. But you're right, especially with this, you know, um, zoom and all these other things, you're right. Moving the body mentally helps you so much. 
Absolutely. It, I mean, it really does. We see it in our practice every single day. Um, and it, while it's, you know, we've been one of the beneficiaries of, of COVID as far as from a business perspective, people are like, I need to take care of myself. Like I need to get my health in order. Um, you know, vaccine or no vaccine, like wherever you are on that, like no matter what, we have to take care of our physical body to create physical health for ourselves. We are in charge of that. We are, we are empowered to do that. And um, today's American lifestyle does not necessarily lend to health. <laughs> so who notice we're all quiet about that. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just such a tight, it's, it's such a complex issue, right? We're certainly not going down that path right now, but it's a complex issue um, with 14 different parts to it. So, yeah. um, but anyway, I wanted to thank you both for coming on and, and being here and sharing this information and having this great conversation about this super important topic. Uh, it's a topic that just can't be talked about enough, enough or shared about enough. And, uh, and I, I would love to do a part two at some point, once you roll out your program and see how it's going uh, and, and have you back on. Uh, we would love just, that. Thank you. We would absolutely love it. Just so you know, a time frame. We are planning on having it um, in February, as early as February, okay. completed. Yep. And then we're hoping that the schools will implement next fall. Absolutely. All right. Well, that that sounds good. I know it takes a lot of work. We're just redoing our website for the practice, and it just amazes me how much work it is. So <laughs> I know you're you're building something from the ground up. So uh, so keep going. It's so needed. And, uh, and I, again, I appreciate you both taking the time to come on and share with us. If someone's looking to get in contact with you about grit, what would be the best way to reach you? Um, if they could, um, cause as you're mentioning websites, we're in the process of yeah. getting one built, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. to reach me would be great. Um, Susan at 708-932-9708. Or um, your oh, email that's a phone number. Yeah. That's my phone number. Like, or, that's a um, really weird email address. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I see how old fashioned I am. I talk to people. <laughs> um, I, I love talking to people. But anyhow, yes, my email is slbarnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, 1127 at Gmail. All right. Great. Well, thank you to you both. And I hope you both have a great day. And for everyone listening, I hope your day is filled with resilience and problem solving. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Socket Podcast. Looking for more gratitude, confidence, and happiness in your life? Check out our website, www.simplysocket.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Simply Socket. And remember, be unapologetically you. It's a waste of energy to be anything else.